ask you to please stand for the reading and hearing of God's Word this morning. Welcome again. What a glorious day to see four new members of the church, to see uh, three of them baptized, one of them already baptized. But, uh, what a great day. Welcome to this, and welcome to hearing the Word of God today together. Christ the King, hear the Word with me. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three presidents of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom Then the president and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any other fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes pretension to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Sounded like a great idea at the time. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then... These men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. It's a very emotional scene. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. 
No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose. He went in haste to the den of the lions, and he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent His angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before Him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded... And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. These are not trick lions, these are real lions. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You may be seated. Let's pray. Gracious God, would you give us focus? Would you remove the veil, remove the distractions from us that we might focus entirely upon your word, entirely upon this story to exiles longing for a home in a foreign land How much so today are those who are united to Christ in a foreign land longing for home? Would you give us hope in what is possible? Belief in a true King. And teach us by your Spirit the things that Jesus taught his disciples about himself. That he reigns and we are his friends. We are his people. And He will never let us go. Would you, pray, would you teach us these things? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So, if you've watched ESPN in the last five years, you've known that we were crowning a super welterweight champion last night. Floyd Mayweather is the undisputed Welterweight champion of the world, Floyd Mayweather. No one disputes this. He beat the biggest rival. Uh, and Emily's like, I've never seen that. I have no idea what she's talking about. Um, but Floyd Mayweather beat the number two guy, pound for pound in the world, the best, second best boxer, the best boxer in the world, beat the second best boxer. And we all know who the best boxer is now. But we're not in a world... We don't live in a world like that where things are just 
out there where we can have God, for instance, sort of box other gods or box rivals or idols and sort of show his superiority. We live by faith, not by sight. Uh, And the world does not recognize our true king as the undisputed king and champion, does it? Um, You know, we're not in Kansas anymore, if you know the the reference to the uh, Wizard of Oz. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're like, we're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, I think Mike Biggs and Janet Biggs have, like, their their history and their heritage in Mississippi goes back to Christopher Columbus. Like, they they are from, I mean, Mississippi is their roots. And when they moved to, to, they moved to Arkansas, New, New Mexico, Oklahoma, new places every time, and they realize we're not in Mississippi anymore. Uh, when, we, when I moved from here, uh, from Tennessee, Meredith and I were like, we're not in Tennessee anymore. Like, we, no matter where you're from, if you grew up in Norman, your whole life went to, to Norman Elementary, Middle School, High School, to OU, uh, Grad School at OU, uh, work down the street, from, work in OU. Um, like, whether or not you are a local, a foreigner, whether you're from a different country, we, if we're in Christ, are all sojourners in a foreign land. We're not in Kansas anymore. But the Bible says we're going home. We're going to a place that is better than the Garden of Eden. It's a glorified Garden of Eden where we will dwell with God forever and He will dwell with us. And it's, we, we get there by faith, not by sight. We walk according to the Spirit. And we have this sort of struggle within us to believe that our King really is reigning. And the people of Daniel 6 in this book had a struggle to believe that their King was true and that their God was true. They had been exiled from their land as part of God's plan. And and some of them received favor. Daniel being one of them, if you look at the first few verses there, he he became one of the biggest leaders. Uh, Darius, who was over the kingdom, wanted to make Daniel the next king. He had such favor in the eyes of this foreign king that the king, it says in verse 3, had planned to set Daniel over the whole kingdom. And this is just not acceptable to Daniel's rivals. And so you see this power struggle. Trying to see who the true king is. And I believe that this story, real quickly today guys, is that it's in the Bible because those people who lived through the exile, longing for home, and us today who are longing for a home and longing to know that our King is actually reigning even though we don't see Him. Even though we see other rivals who seem to be reigning, He makes the case right before our very eyes with a, with a story about a lion's den that we might have heard in Sunday school, but it is a story that speaks to our neighborhood politics, it speaks to our boardrooms, it speaks to our office, it speaks to everything about us. It speaks to our our campus. It speaks to our real life that God really is reigning. It speaks to us. And it says there is an undisputed king. Yahweh is His name. Jesus is how we know Him. The Spirit teaches us this. And there are three points that I want to make today in this. One is that God is the true king of the jungle. God is the true King of the Kings. 
And God is the true king over our greatest enemy, death. He reigns over all rivals. And so, first, uh, just an explanation here about what do you mean the king of the jungle? Well, we all know that the lion is the king of the jungle, right? Uh, John Baber, how much do you weigh? <laughs> about 170, yeah, okay, yeah. Freshman 15, freshman 15 we, might, we all might have got our freshman 15 this year. We may be a little bigger than we were before, a little smaller than we were before. But the typical average man, I picked John Baber because he's a normal-sized guy. 160, 170, thereabouts, that's an average man. You know how much a, a lion weighs? Average lion, 880 pounds. Okay, and, he, and, and lions, you know how, you know how like their, what their lifespan is? 10 to 14 years. You know why their lifespan is short? Because they fight a lot and they get injured. They're violent. They prey upon weaker people and animals. They kill men. I don't know if you've seen, if you've seen YouTube. Uh, like if you get near a lion, you're going down. Okay, it happens. And these are real lions. As I mentioned as I'm reading the scripture, these are not fake lions or trick lions. They're real lions. And the, and the proof is in the enemies of Daniel were thrown into the lion's den and were devoured. But what happens here is, as the Jesus storybook calls, it, calls this, is it's a scary sleepover. Uh, because God is the king, Daniel being a, in a den of lions, sealed with a, with a stone, a signet, okay, it is locked. He's locked into a prison of lions, a pit, if you will. And there are multiple lions in this pit, 880 pounders most likely. And he's, you know, probably littler than John Baber. Um, you know, and so, like, I'm not saying John Baber's overweight. Not, not, not hear me. I think people are getting bigger, you know. So in time, we're talking 6th century B.C. here. Who knows how much Daniel weighed? Probably not more than 200 pounds, though. And he is supremely outweighed, out, you know, has less ferocity, less strength than, of course, one lion, but multiple lions. And so the Jesus Storybook Bible paints it at the very end of the story of, of Daniel being discovered by the king with a, with a big lion sitting upon his lap and he's sort of stroking the mane of the lion. It's this snoozing, sleepy lion. Uh, the Lord closed the mouth of the lion. Well, why lions? Because they're 880 pounds. Because they're the king of the jungle. Recognized by everybody. They are ferocious. God didn't just throw Daniel into a den of bunny rabbits, okay? Or little, little kitty cats, okay? It was the, the biggest symbol of power that people would know. God ordained that these evil men who were jealous of Daniel would take him, or take this law, get it written into, into the you know, always abiding law code. The law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. We heard it over and over throughout there. It, this, this law is abiding. And they knew they could trap him. And many of us are trapped by people all the time. People are working out traps for us. Your professors have trapped you. That final exam you're going to take on Tuesday is going to be a trap. And, and it's not going to be what they covered in class. It's going to be a, a, a very obscure chapter in a book you didn't read. Uh, and it's just stuff like that. There's traps. People are against you. People are against us. People are against God. And that is clear in this text over and over and over. They're going to trap him by his faith. 
the only, his character is such a sterling character, Daniel's is, that the only way they knew to beat him was to make praying illegal. You could only pray to the king, and they knew Daniel wouldn't do that. And so they set him into a collision course, a battle. They set Daniel and God, God sort of put himself in the ring with Daniel to go against the king of the jungle. And he overcame the king of the jungle, did he not? God is stronger than nature. God is the Lord of nature. He's the Lord of lions. Nothing trumps his will. Even a man in the pit of a lion's den. That is strong. That's quite strong. We don't live as if that were true, do we, though? We, don't, we live in fear. We live in worry. We're worried about sharing the gospel with our friends. We're worried about where, where our kids are going to go to school. We're worried about, will anybody love me? These are good things to worry about. But when those worries become the ultimate thing, we have overturned the belief that God is in control of nature. When the worry overcomes our prayers, and we don't pray, but we strategize and we worry, and we are setting ourselves up as no different than the 119 satraps who hated Daniel. We're going to make a way by our own strength, according to our own ingenuity. And if that's the way we live, our world's only going to be so big. Our faith, our hope is only going to be so big. It's only going to be as big as we can make it. And we're 170 to 200 pound people or, or thereabouts. We're not lions. We are very, very limited. We're very killable. But God's not. And if we're in relationship with Him, He has us. Just as He put the lions to sleep, just as He closed, clothed the mouth of lions, He can close, or close the mouth of your enemies. He can shut their mouths. So God is the true king of the jungle. Secondly, God is the true king of kings. So there's all this political intrigue going on throughout this text. And there's a king. And what's really a stunning thing here is that the king has enacted a law that he cannot undo. He's a king. And he is absolute. They have to get his permission to sign this law. And he is bound by it. And there's a, there's a point on, on, in, in the middle here where it says they came before the king in verse 12 concerning the injunction and they remind him of it. And they say, oh look, Daniel broke this law. In verse 14, the king says he was distressed and he set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. But he couldn't, could he? How many of us have hairs gone gray because we couldn't change things? This man who is the absolute king of the world can't change it. He is powerless. We have a tendency to forget that. This text reminds us that our king is the true king. He's the one who has the power. We all have this illusion that we have the ability to do whatever we want to do. And, and so if we think we, do, if we don't, we think we just got to get more power. We've got to build more relationships, get more friends, 
more resources, build bigger homes, become prettier people, get more money. But might doesn't always give us what we want. And so God comes to the people and says, don't lust after these people. Their power. These people knew they were in subjection to these other people. God's people were in subjection to the Medo-Persian Empire at the time. And the natural tendency for all of us to be like, is like, well, if I was the king, I could change things. If I could overthrow this king, I could change things. But he shows the helplessness, the foolishness of that thought. That if we just had the power, we would be okay. This man has the power, and he can't do it. It's, it's like God just slapping us upside the head here um, and telling us um, that we are powerless. Um, Remind us who we are. We're not strong in lions. Being the king is not the answer. Uh, there's a, a real sad thing going on in our world right now um, in our country is this rioting in Baltimore. Awful. So much destruction, terror. My fantasy baseball team was messed up this week because they couldn't play baseball. Ridiculous. Uh, but everyone's affected by it in much more profound ways. There was a woman on a video, first name Toya, Baltimore mother. You may have seen this if you've logged on to the internet recently. Um, they, she has, she is, you know, regular sized woman here, and she has her taller, you know, teenage son here, 16 year old, and she is screaming at him. She, he's got his hood down over his eyes. Sort of like a ninja. He's going to go out and do some, some riding, wreak some havoc, but she catches him by the ear and she starts swap whopping him in the head, screaming at him, saying, that's not who you are. You're not that. That's not who you are. She goes around cussing him and, and just giving him everything he could ask for, chasing him down the street, and she stopped him from riding. People are calling her mother of the year. Uh, okay, I don't know about that, but that's that. Whatever, whatever you think about that, that that's what this text is. It's sort of like taking fools, uh, Christians who can be fools, and trusting the wrong thing, and saying, "Look, stop thinking like that. Think about reality. That you are a believer in the true King, and the true King is reigning. Just look at this: a man cast into a pit by his rivals." He has no hope. And Darius, the poor king, could not turn it around. And Darius couldn't sleep at night. He's fasting all night long because he's powerless. And he goes to the mouth of the tomb, or the mouth of the pit of despair here, and it's reversed. God has won. God has vindicated Himself. And that's Daniel, this man who's done it right. He's, he's done everything right. Um, he's been a hero throughout the country, throughout the land. And God would not allow His hero to be destroyed. His hero to die. Death, the third enemy that God conquers over, will not overcome His people. Why? Because another hero is going to come a few hundred years later than Daniel. Another Daniel. Jesus was going to go into the pit of hell, pit of destruction, the pit of despair, 
And he was going to walk out of that pit. He walked out of the tomb, the empty tomb, for our salvation. Anyone who wants that, who wants salvation from hell, can have it by faith. You can turn from your sins and follow Jesus and He will change your life and He will renew you and the Gospel is more than just a ticket into heaven. It's more than just the end of days. It's communion with this King. It's life with the King. It's being inwardly transformed and renewed. That's the Gospel too, y'all. The Gospel is not just something that happened in the past. It's now. It's life with Him. And He's going to take us, whop us by the head, yell at us, give us the Spirit to remind us that He truly is the King when we try to live like He's not. When we disbelieve Him, He's going to help us. He is our Baltimore mother in all the best ways that could be taken. He's going to drive us that way. And so with that, we can sleep over the lions. We can stand over, stand up to hard things in life. We can walk through diseases. We can walk through not being popular. We can walk through heartache, rejection, persecution for the sake of the gospel. We can walk through being mistreated. We can walk through being fired. We can walk through being disrespected. We can walk through being hurt. We can walk through being homeless. We can walk through anything that the Lord has to give us because He is strong in lions, homelessness, uh, kings, and death. Even if it kills us, that will not be the end because of our faith in Jesus and our united, being united to Him. That is our reality. That is us. And so, I'm calling you today to, to do this. I'm calling you to climb. I'm calling you to climb out of the pit. I'm calling you to, to do so knowing that someone has you if you ever been to climb up in Norman, they have someone who will belay you. They have a pulley system. You can climb up holds on a wall to get to the very top of this place. There's a pulley system, and someone is at the bottom pulling the rope through carabiner and locking it out so that if you fall or if you want to come down, they can slowly lower you down so you don't die. There's one or two places in this place that are auto belay. And I had the opportunity to take Knox and Owen to climb up. And I'm belaying them mostly. Parents were belaying at this party we had. But I had the opportunity to climb as well. So I put on my climbing shoes, got on the auto belay, climbed up to the very top, and I was terrified. Because auto belay means there's no person down there. You're connected to the system and you have to trust it. And that it will, it will, it will let you down. And I tell you what, it's not my, not my finest moment. I would not let go of the wall. I was stuck to the wall. And I had to slowly slink my way down and make it a lot harder than it needed to be by climbing down those holds all the way down because I would not step off the wall and let the thing catch me. How many of you are right there where I was spiritually? You are not willing to let Jesus catch you. You're not willing to let your whole life be dependent upon Him and His life. 
You do not want to let your salvation be according to His reputation, not yours. You're so busy trying to seek a good reputation with your own good works that you don't think about that. You're obsessed with your kingdom. You don't think about His kingdom and what's best for His kingdom. That's all of us. And that is not okay. We have to repent of that. And so today, if you are sitting there, don't walk away being afraid to let go and let Jesus bring you out of the pit or bring you off of the wall, bring you to safety. He will not be overcome by kings, by beasts, by death. You are safe. Whatever your, whatever your lion is, whatever your king is, whatever your boss is that, is that is terrifying you, whatever your fear is, if it's cancer, whatever it is for you, do not let that thing be the ultimate thing. Do not let the approval of men be the ultimate thing. Do not let the approval of women be the ultimate thing for you. Do not let be significance be that for you. Do not, let, do not let power be that thing for you. Let God and His Son and His Spirit be the thing that leads you to the promised land, to home. We're going home. We're going home. We, we are not in our place. It is fraught with rivals, and there is a true undisputed king, and every single day we open His Word, we see that play out. He is a true king. Friends, you need this Bible. You need what Mike is going to lead us in, in doing just in just a moment. I w- I'd ask for Mike in the session to come forward and we'll serve you communion. You need, that, you need that seal that testifies to your place, your position, and there's a true king. So let me pray for us while the, while the elders come forward and we'll get ready for communion.